Jeremiah 9, verse 4. Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. Now, what hit me was that that's, that's kind of a warning here in the Old Testament to the to the chosen people of God. Mm-hmm. Take heed, and it echoes the warnings that are given to the chosen people of God in the New Testament. Jesus warned us to take heed, to beware, to don't be deceived and also by by the writers of the new testament as well they they gave us warnings that our brothers and and our neighbors and stuff would come in come as sheep but they'd be in it'd be in sheep clothing but they'd be ravening wolves and they were warned uh, you know to to beware and the whole point is that our trust needs to be in God, not in any of these other things, which we're prone to put our trust in at times. Okay. And I yeah, we probably need to go by the principle that the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you you got the floor. Well, where the principle of the Lord says, "Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar." How, how know, true? How true? We just need to let the words of the Lord be what's true to us, and other men's words, you know, they come and go. You know how it is. We're the same way. Sure. <laughs> yeah, every man's got one. Yeah. Or two, or three, or. But yeah, and I, I think the. I think the context of that warning, the the overview of that warning, is that it's it's speaking of sanctification. It's take heed that you beware of the world around you. Mm. Be, be separated from those things, so that we be separated from the world while we're in this world. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, the, the, the chosen people of God were separated by obeying the law. Yeah. That's, that's how they were separate. That, that's how they became peculiar and was different and noticeable from the rest of the world was by, by observing and, and obeying the law. And we know, would you agree with that? Say that again. Would you agree with that? Yeah, say it again. The way that the old, the, the, the people, the chosen people of God in the Old Testament, the Jews, mm-hmm. were sanctified was by obeying the law. Uh, okay. 
that that's how they became a set that that's how they that's how God wanted them to be separated and noticeable in trying to um, reveal who God was to the world. Yes. By being, by being different, by being, by doing things that the world didn't do. Which nobody obeyed the law completely. But it was, it was, those oracles were for the Jewish people to obey so that they would be a peculiar people in the eyes of the world. And by being peculiar, that, that the world would see how blessed they were of God and would desire those blessings as well. But we know from Scripture that they failed miserably in that. And those that did walk upright, those who did walk before the Lord, were they was rejected, they were mocked, they were despised, they was even killed. And the people that was doing the mocking, the despising, the killing, the stoning, all was their brothers and their neighbors. So again, that take heed, everyone of his neighbor and trust not your brother. And the contrast to that is the chosen of God in the New Testament. They're not sanctified by their works. They're not righteous because of their works. They're not wise because of their intelligence. And they're not redeemed because they can afford it. But Jesus Christ is made unto us all of those things because we're in him. 1 Corinthians 130, 131. So that if we glory in anything, we ought to glory in the Lord. And I'm not saying that we ought not we, that we ought not to be sanctified, but we don't have to do that. He's made he's made unto us sanctification through his work. Because we're in him. That's the difference from the Old Testament. They weren't in him. So they had to do those things themselves acceptable to God. And I don't know if I brought that across just properly or not, but that's the best I can do. Yeah, I think so. You know, we have, we have to, uh, be so appreciative and thankful that he has done those things for us 
And even at that, we still, we, we fail miserably in the commission he gave us, just like the Jewish people failed miserably in the commission that they gave him, that, that he gave them. I'm not saying that we're doing such a better job than they are, because we ain't. But where we fail and where they failed is in different aspects because of what he's done for us. We're not guilty of those things. If we're in it. So I just thought with, with that being said and through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures that they provide for us, we need to be focused on being like-minded towards others according as Jesus Christ was to us. Yeah. And that with one mind and with one mouth, unity, with one mind and one mouth, we would glorify God the Father, receiving one another as Christ received us. Mm -hmm. And the the crux of that is for many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. And for those that are chosen, we, we need to uh, we, we need to be in harmony one with another instead mm -hmm. of being at each other's throats all the time or finding fault with everybody all the time. Yeah. Yeah, all of this right here, it seems like it's outwardly, you know. You need to take care, you need to take heed of your neighbor because, you know, they supplant, they walk with slanders, you know. Well, they're, that's... The old out of the heart coming that's out of the heart trying to deceive your neighbor which it should be in your heart judging yourself not to do those things and loving your neighbor but it comes short of that we all come short of that yep and that that's the whole old testament is it all is an outward form The worship and the religion, it, it was all outward form because it was all physical. It was all where it's spiritual in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Which is from the is which is from the inner man. Mm. To end when I you know the, for many are called and few are chosen. That's that's what we have to take heed of. We yeah. ought to be on guard and take heed not to be deceived, not to fall from our own steadfastness in our faith. Being led away by the air of the wicked who are our brothers and our neighbors. Mm. But we ought to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Because it's him whom we put our trust and our hope. 
not in our brother. So I just thought that that was interesting to me that that was a warning that is given in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It, it applies to either one. We are to be cautious. We are to take heed. We are to be wary. And you know, re remain sanctified, remain separated from from the world. Yeah, and, and and yet be there for them. It's a conundrum, ain't it? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, be separated from a world that you live in is okay. That's not what the world teaches. The world wants you to be every bit a part of it. <sighs> so it's in the it's in the second part of verse four that that where I got taken away. So I that's all I got on the first part of verse four. Oh, okay. So if if that was somewhere you went off on your on your hunt. Let's let's hear where he took you. Oh well. Um, okay, let's start up at verse two. All right. Okay. Yep. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of well-faring men, that I might leave my people and go from them for they all are they all they be all adulterers and assemble uh, an assembly of treacherous men that's our and, that's our brothers and our neighbors mm -hmm. yeah. and they bend their tongue like their bow for lies but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Take ye heed every one his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. But they will not deceive every one his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit, through deceit, <laughs> through deceit they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them. For how shall I do for thy daughter of my people? For the daughter of my people, their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceable to his neighbor with his mouth, but his heart, he layeth his weight. Man, it's such a, the heart condition of these folks is reflective of our heart as well, you know? Yeah. Because we could be the same way in every shape or form. Um. But I just thought in verse 3, it says they bend their tongues, okay? It also says they're not valid for truth. 
They proceed from evil to evil. I'm just making notes of these. And then these notes ended up turning into what's coming up next. Um, they know not me. Okay. Right. Verse four, they, we need to take heed. Trust ye not in a brother. This is the warning. Every brother will utterly supplant. Okay. Uh-huh. Every neighbor will walk with slander. Now, verse five, they will deceive everyone his neighbor. Will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, and they wearied themselves to commit iniquity. Okay, so when I laid it out like that and looked, it's like, wow. So the Lord in verse 3 is telling us of the heart condition of the men. 4 is telling us the warning that we need to take heed of these things. And in verse 5, it goes on a little bit farther. Verse 6 is kind of the same thing uh, about the taking heed. It says, Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they will refuse to know me, saith the Lord. So there's an, another instruction to not be weary in well-doing, you know, um, because the habitation is deceit. You know, trust that the word of God is going to go out as it's sown. As I told you to sow it, and it'll come, it'll not come back void. Now, from that portion, I end up, um, there's verses that are in here, like valent, the definition of valent, strong, vigorous in body, uh, courageous, heroic, right? Mm-hmm. Supplant is to overthrow, to undermine, to remove. To slander is a false tale or disgrace, and iniquity is unrighteousness. Just we'll just leave it at that. That just sums up all sin is unrighteousness, you know. Mm-hmm. So we that springboard off of this. I started know what is the pattern. Verse thir- verse two, they, verse three, they, verse three, they. Verse 3, they. Verse 3, they. Verse 5, they. Verse 5, they. All the way down to verse 17. You see they that is spoken 17 times just in that paragraph alone. Or just in that little chapter alone. 14 times. Then it got me curious about how many times they is used in Jeremiah. And that is used 340 times, right? Now, I got to thinking, wow, is they the only word used? You know, it's not the only, it's not only used here. There's other books of the Bible that use that term. Sure. You know, and by looking at that word they, you can see that there's a pattern who they are. You know, right. and we need to watch out for they because they are the ones that are enemies of the cross. They're who we're, they're who we're to be sanctified from. Yes. We'll just put it as they are the enemies of the cross. Amen. That's it. Yeah, period. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm not, I mean, period, but I'm abrasive like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, and that's, that's the distinction when you see the they that, the they is there for the most part to distinguish between the peculiar people and the world. 
Yes. Yes. And so that they are, you know, we are, we are us and they are they. <laughs> yes. Amen. We're the us and Jesus. Yes. So look at these 14 times that it's mentioned. Verse 2, they be all adulterers. Verse 3, they bend their tongues. They are not valent for the truth. They proceed from evil to evil. They know me not, verse 5. They will deceive everyone his neighbor. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, verse 6. They will refuse to know me, verse 10. They are burned up. They are gone, verse 13. They have forsaken my law, verse 16. They nor their fathers have known me. Verse 17, they may come, they may come. Now, I said it twice because it's mentioned twice in verse 17, okay? Mm-hmm. So I started thinking of these, these 14, they, their acts, okay? And what they are and what their heart condition is, okay? Um, so I started thinking about I started thinking about the church, that the Lord, there's a lot of these things that the Lord tells us, the contrast that we shouldn't be, like what you're saying, that they are they and we are us, mm-hmm. you know? And so started looking at that. So here's the 14 things that I found concerning the church that is contrary to they, the world. And then I started looking at, okay, well, the church, we're the body. So Jesus Christ is the head. So there has to be a contrast between the world and Jesus Christ. And so I have that contrast as well. Now, what I'm meaning that they all be adulterous, Jesus Christ was not. You see what I mean? His heart was pure. Right. He actually... He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So therefore, if a man has called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, that man has eternal life. So if that man in this life, in this flesh, goes after the things of this world and dies, the Lord never leaves that man nor forsakes that man because the Lord is not an adulterer. The Lord is married and he's married once. If you uh, called upon him, you are a part of his bride. You're a part of his bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is not an adulterer. He was without sin. But he knows the pain of adultery. Yes. Yes. And that's where and a lot also, of people, yeah. that's where I've talked to people before and it's you know where it says that we have a high priest who is familiar with all our infirmities and is and knows all of our you know has suffered all the things that that we suffer and things like that and they go well he doesn't know what uh, you know what adultery feels like and i said sure he does 
sure he does. He was not a adulterer, but he felt the pain of being uh, the victim of adultery. Yes. Well, Jesus Christ said, ye adulterers yes, and yes. adulterers. Yeah, that's right. Um, adulterers and adulteresses. <laughs> adulteresses, I'm sorry. No, that's... He that's, said that. Yeah. And then also... The nation of Israel did not love God, and God was married to the nation of Israel, and they went a whoring after other gods and other idols. So, yes, Jesus Christ, being manifest in the flesh, knows what it feels like to be betrayed in God, in the person of God, the Father. Amen. So. Well, but, he, know, he knows what it feels like in the person of Jesus, too. Yeah. Was, it's spiritual adultery by calling him a devil. <laughs> How dare thee call me a devil? Right. By my very works, they should declare that I'm some someone to come from God. But you just deny that as well. You just went straight and said, you're of the devil. Yep. The devil is not here to heal the blind or give sight or uh, give the lame uh, uh, the walk again, or the deaf to speak, or the hear, or uh, you know, no, he's wanting them to be in that bondage so they can cry out and curse God. You know, what did he tempt God with when he went and uh, said, "Oh, hath thou considered the?" Uh, when God said, "Hath thou considered thy servant Job?" You know why? Well, what did what was his what was his what was Satan's response? You take this away from him, he's going to curse you. You know? Oh, yeah. He ain't going to curse you. Come on. He loves me. That's what the church should be like. Go through the tribulation, love the Lord. And then there's the parallel with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and those that are enemies of the cross that we could see in the New Testament as well. And I didn't get that complete list, but I'm sure as we go through, there's some that's going to end up overlapping. And there's also those that we're going to be able to be familiar with from our Bible reading and studying, you know. Okay. So look, if you want to, we could go through these because I thought they're really neat. Well, you, you put the work into it. Come on, share it. All right. In verse two, they be they be all adulterers. Okay, so let's look at the contrast of the church. It says in James 4.4, 4, Know ye not that your friendship of... Let's just go there. I can't, can't quote it right now. I quoted it earlier, but can't quote it now. <laughs> join and I think... Join and I, yeah. And I think I figured out that I, I need to write... I'll write all the verses out so I could follow them from there. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that your friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? We need to be careful. We need to watch ourselves of that. 
We need to not be of the world, but we need to be that of a follower of God. Right? Amen. Now, Jesus there, Christ. There's no black, there's no gray matter there. It, it's either you are or you're not. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what I think what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to end up going from the church to Jesus Christ and to the Pharisees or what I have. And then um, I'll distinguish when I go from each and every one of them. Uh, because there's 14 different ones and I don't want it to be bogging down. But we talked about Jesus Christ already, that he was not an adulteress. But he knows what it was like because he, uh, he, being God in the flesh, was cheated on by the nation of Israel going after dumb idols. And in the Pharisees, it says, and they caught the woman in the very act and brought her before Jesus. Well, and, you know, the law says that they're supposed to bring the man and the woman Correct. before the high priest. Correct. Right? Yep. And it's interesting that they brought... The woman caught in adultery in the very act uh, to Jesus, declaring that he is a priest just uh, by the law. They didn't know it, probably, but, but their own hearts confessed it without confessing it. Um, but it's interesting, and it's only circus, uh, circumspecting this, um, or, or no, not circ um, I'm only guessing at this, but it could be possible, maybe, that one of the the man that was well i don't know how you could catch the woman in the very act if he didn't know what was going on well yeah no but i mean the only way you could catch him in the act is, is if you caught two of them yes it, but who was that there, other there wouldn't be an act if there was only one yes so so I, I say that they're the ones that they are the adulterer because they have looked upon a woman in their heart and committed sin. So the Lord is dealing with their heart because in their heart they have sinned. So that's the Pharisee. Okay, number two, um, verse three, they bend their tongues. So I, I'm just going to stop for a second. They bend their tongue like a bow. Man, brother, I'm thinking about how... Um, uh, uh, Jonathan bend the bow to shoot the arrow to warn David, you know, right? And how that we can take our tongue and we can go and we can preach the gospel to warn the nations that the judgment and the wrath is to come, you know, that or and preach the love of God too, as right. well, which is a part of that. There is, or that there, there is life and death in the power of the tongue, yes. Or we could take that tongue, bend it, and we can destroy. Deadly weapon. You know? Deadly weapon. Deadly weapon. So they bend their tongues. Okay, so they're preparing it. We are instructed to refrain our tongues from speaking evil. We are instructed that to love in deed and in truth. Right. Right? Yes, sir. We are instructed that we are to bridle. No man can bridle his tongue. But there is 
a, there is a bridle that can be put to your tongue. Uh, and that comes from the Lord. But another thing is we are we are commanded to confess Jesus Christ. And when we confess, uh, you know, we praise him and use our tongue. Jesus Christ, he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, 7. He opened not his mouth. These men bent their tongue, were ready, waiting for their neighbor to, to shoot their arrow at them so they could shoot their arrow back. Jesus Christ took the arrows, took the lashing, took the gnashing, took the bruising for you and I, and he opened not his mouth. Amen. And he commands his bride, his church to do the same. They are not valent for the truth. Now, I have to say this is that at first I put they are not valent. Okay. Now we looked at valent. Valent is they're not strong, vigorous in body, brave, courageous, or his heroic. I'm looking at it as strong. Okay. Mm-hmm. But at first I stopped there. But then when I was reading it over again last night, they were not valent for the truth. So I have two views here. They are not valent, not strong, and they're not for the truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I made a little boo-boo, but it's an easily corrected one to have two points. So it is going to be in Ephesians 6.10, we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are not strong in ourselves. We are not valent of our own selves because in ourselves there is no good thing. But Jesus Christ, the treasure that sent us. And it's by his spirit and by his might that we can walk in that strength. The Lord said in John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 1 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word, that truth, John 14, 6, is the way, the truth, the life that is Jesus Christ. And see, we have that truth that the church is to speak, right. the truth in love. See, because we, the love of go ahead. We can bend our tongues like a bow as well, but our ammunition will be truth, not lies. Amen. Amen. Speaking the truth. And not lies. Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. And that's what we're to do. We're to speak the truth. And the truth is what? The gospel. Nothing else are we to do but speak the gospel and truth and love. The truth is his word. Thy word is truth. Amen. Yeah. And his word is Jesus Christ. Amen. No doubt. Amen. And then um, the point of Jesus Christ, it is raised in power. Jesus Christ was raised by the power of God. Strength, valiant man. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Jesus Christ, 
by his own strength and by his own power, rose from the dead. Amen. And he said, I am the way. I am the truth. Look at that. Power, strength. Um, they proceed from evil to evil. Now, this caught my attention, brother, because you know that in Romans chapter 117, it says from faith to faith. And it got me thinking that I am saved by the faith of the Son of God. I've put the little faith, what measure of faith I had in Jesus Christ, and that faith, Jesus Christ's faith was added, was imputed unto my faith. And therefore, my faith is imputed unto me for righteousness because of Jesus Christ, my righteous. Yeah, I think Paul, I think Paul said, I live by the faith of Jesus Live, Yeah, I live by the faith of Jesus Christ. Yep. Amen. So it dawned on me that evil to evil is these men are teaching the same way that the Lord is teaching. The Lord's instrument of faith to faith is the same as Satan's instrument of evil to evil. If you can stir up hatred to hatred, you, you hatred stir up strife, right? You yeah. throw gas on a fire, you're going to get a, a fireball. And that's exactly what we could see in this day and age that's going on is that there's fuel being thrown on a fire that doesn't need to be even smoldering. There's no cause for this. If everyone would just shut up and turn, uh, turn off the TV and do the work and mind their own business and praise the Lord, there wouldn't be anything Amen. to be complaining about. But we are well, sinners. Think, think about it. If, if, if the what's going on now and what went on in Ferguson and what goes on and all, and all these kind of things like that, if God's word meant anything to him at all, and if they took God's word seriously, then thou shall not steal, right? Yes. All right. If they took that seriously, there wouldn't be any of this looting. There wouldn't be any of this stuff that's going on with the stores being damaged and burnt and all that stuff. Thou shall not murder. If they took that seriously, there wouldn't be none of these killings. And that goes for the cops, too. Absolutely, it goes for all of us. If they would take have the, all of us, Amen. if they if they would take the word of God seriously, all these things would go away. <laughs> they would just they would you know we we have to we're attacking these with tear gas and smoke bombs and and rubber bullets and steel <laughs> bullets and everything else. That's that's how we're trying to uh, get this stuff under control. <laughs> to get this stuff under control is taking God's word seriously. Mm. And obeying it, Amen. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If we, if they took that word seriously, this stuff would go away. It yeah. would go away without a confrontation, without rubber bullets, without smoke bombs, without tear gas, without all this stuff. It would just go away. Yeah. That's why religion, going to church, having a denomination as your label, isn't the answer. Jesus Christ and faith in him alone and what he had done on the cross for us is in. That's it. That's, That's the it. remedy. That's the answer. You bet. But 
but evil to evil. Okay. So we are not, we're supposed to have faith to faith, right? Yes, we sir. should not recompense to no man evil for evil. Now, just to make a note, it says they proceed from evil to evil, like they are teaching one another what to do evil to evil to evil, you know? Right. But we are not to rend uh, no man evil for the evil. These evil men will render evil unto us, but we are not to render evil for it. Because the Lord says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I will recompense. We're no better than they are. Only thing is that we have Christ Jesus as our Savior. In the flesh, we're every bit wicked as they are. We're every bit wicked as what they could be. If we allow ourselves to go after those but the things. grace of God, there go I. You bet. Yeah. And then I was thinking of this, a contrast with Jesus Christ, where it talks about that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart speak, bringeth forth good things, right? Right. Jesus Christ in his heart was love. The last words that he cried out before he gave up the ghost was, you know, forgive them, Lord, for, you know. Mm -hmm. It is finished. Um, but Jesus Christ, he represents that as out of his own heart, that good man gave his own life for the sheep. Uh, third John chapter one eleven says, "Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Be of good. Uh, he that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God." That has that's another note. That's for the church. Okay, let me uh, five. They know me not. They know me not. Brother, this is speaking to God's chosen nation, chosen people. Right. And they don't know. The church is, we are, you see five, no, we're not. We are, uh, it's, wonder, it's wonderful that it says that, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, Philippians 3.10. We are to surrender ourselves to the Lord, it seems like what I read, so that we get to know the Lord more through the suffering that we go through for his namesake, not for evil's sake, not for our sin that we're sowing and, and, and that we're reaping what we sown. But for his name's sake, we get to know just a little bit of what our Lord goes through. And that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus Christ, in John chapter 14 and verse 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I come that they may have life and that they may have it 
more abundantly. There's the I am contrast. the good shepherd. There's the contrast. Amen. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know, you was you was saying that uh, in and they know not me is speaking of the chosen ones of God in the old yes. testament. And the Lord says the same thing of those that come today. Lord, Lord, let us in. Lord, Lord, we've done all these things. What does he tell him? I know not you. Mm. Amen. Great Because they know not me. Great verse. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's, there's the New Testament revealed in the Old Testament. Mm. Amen. Okay. And, and, uh, only, and only God can know those things. That's, you know, we can be fooled. That's why he tells us to take heed all the time, to be cautious, beware. That He knows all those things because he knows the heart, but we don't. We, yeah, amen. We can be fooled and deceived real easy. And we can even be deceivers in ourselves. But we ought not to be. Yes. We but we should... We, we, the Lord gives us the warnings that even though that we love, we, he, he shows us that we shouldn't be taken advantage of. He gives us help to understand that. You well, know, we don't have to be the doormat to anybody. Yeah. We just need to be a stepping stone. Yeah. But we don't need to be something people wipe their feet on. It's a, you know, there again, that, that's another conundrum. It's a, it's a fine line. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, he never, uh, we're just supposed to come over, we're, we're supposed to overcome evil with good. Yeah. Amen. And that will pour coals of fire on their head more than anything that we could do, you know, trying to get back at them ourselves. Amen. And the Pharisees part on that is that if you have known me, you have known the fathers also. They didn't know. <clears throat> Standing right there and teaching them. They didn't know. They just wanted to get rid of them. Yeah. They uh, they claimed mm -hmm. to know the word of God, but they didn't recognize the fruit it produced. Yeah, amen. Mm. Because he came in the flesh. Yeah. And it was the word, but they didn't recognize it. Mm. And we got to be uh, careful that we don't do the same thing. We get so involved with studying and uh, wisdom and all that kind of stuff that we don't recognize it's not our intelligence, it's his. If we got any wisdom at all, if we got any knowledge or understanding at all, it's, it's of him, not of us. Yeah, amen. Um, the sixth they is they deceive everyone as neighbor, and we're commanded as a church to love thy neighbor. 
Um, they were commanded to love thy neighbor in Leviticus nineteen, eighteen, That's but correct. they had no fruit thereof, like as you spoke of. <clears throat> they didn't recognize the fruits, you know. Um, and Jesus well, they didn't Christ love dwelling in them like we do. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then with Jesus Christ, um, they every man deceive his neighbor. They had brought up false witnesses against our Lord. Amen. And those and false witnesses. Yep. Yes. And his disciples. Mm -hmm. Acts 6, 12 through, or uh, in the book of Acts as well. Mm -hmm. um, number seven. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. Right. Uh, we're supposed to cast Casting down lying and imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. I think Ephesians tells us to redeem our time because the days are evil and these guys are redeeming them times for evil. Yes. Yes. We're not supposed to uh, speak lies. We're not supposed to tell a fib. And Jesus Christ, he did that which was always pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. So if that's the case, he must have never lied, right? There was no guile found in his mouth. Amen. Well, a lie is a breaking of the commandment. So if, yes, uh, if we know he didn't break any of the commandments. He was without sin. Yes. Praise and then the Pharisees, we know that the Pharisees, is of the father, the devil, which was a, a murderer and a liar from the beginning, you know? Yeah. He bowed not the truth. <clears throat> Number eight, they refuse to know me. <laughs> it's one thing, brother, to have the Bible in front of you. And you just push it away, push it away, push it away. Or they had the, the commandments and they push it away, push it away. Because then you could push away the preacher you could push away the church. You could push away the singing. You could do all that stuff, right? It's another thing when you have the word of God standing in front of you. <laughs> they beheld them, right? They're looking right. at them. Absolutely. And they're saying, nah, nope, you're not it. They Sorry. Did, they didn't want to know him. They wanted to kill him. Exactly. They refuse. To know me. The Lord says, take my yoke upon me to the church and learn of me. He wants us to learn of him because he's merciful. He's, his grace is beyond measure. It is. There's, yes. there's no valley that could be filled. There's no sky that could be uh, uh, measured of how much God's grace is towards us and how his love and mercy. Mm. And then John 17, five for Jesus Christ. And now, O father, glorify thy me with thy own self, with the glory, which I had with thee before the world was. And we see that Jesus was God. They knew each other. In the flesh, 
and before the world was. Amen. Um, number nine, they are burned up. Now, this is interesting, brother. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.13 through 5, that we have, what we have going on here is our work towards the Lord Jesus Christ in the body of flesh. And that work can be either every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall uh, try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide with uh, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he suffereth loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We know that there is six different elements here that the Lord is saying that are considered our work. They are gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And within these six is the work that is built upon this foundation. And we see that if we have the wood, hay, and stubble, it will be burned up. But we'll suffer loss, but we'll be saved so as by fire. It's not our salvation. It's not eternal salvation. That's not the save that it means. It means that there is a reward for those that believe the Lord, right? So at least you got that. Trust them and keep going. Now, and for Jesus Christ, Psalm 16.10, Acts 2.27, Thou will not leave my soul in hell. Jesus Christ entered into hell for our sin, for our payment of our sin. And not only that, is that he can redeem our brothers and sisters in Christ that were in Abraham's bosom. In Genesis 22, 6, the burnt offering that Abraham was going to provide, he said unto his servants, the Lord, his son, the Lord shall provide an off a lamb for the burnt offering. And Jesus Christ was that precious lamb that was no, for the sin. What, uh, what Abraham said was he will he will offer himself. Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so Jesus Christ is that burnt offering. Amen. In Hebrews, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it's not by the blood of bulls and of goats and of heifers and the, and the shedding of the blood and the, and the ashes of those things. No, it's not. But it's by the precious blood of the Lamb. He had entered into heaven for you and I to make an eternal redemption for anyone that will call upon his name. Verse uh, number 10, uh, that was burnt up. Um They are gone. They are gone. Oh, we are lost. That's the, uh, that's, um, verse 20 in chapter eight. Yes. 
Um, that's number 10. Lost sheep found by Jesus Christ. This is the church. He's the good shepherd. Amen. Amen. And in Jesus Christ, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, for me. He has gone to prepare a place so we could be together. Um, they have forsaken my law. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, love thy neighbor as thyself. Right? Yes. The Lord said that in Romans 8, 4, that righteousness, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. What is that righteousness of the law that be fulfilled in us? Is the love of Christ constraining us that we will serve Obedience. him and obedience. Amen. Obedience. Amen. And then in Matthew 5:17 Jesus came not to destroy the law but to fulfill. Thank you. Lord. Why? To redeem those that were under the curse of the law. Amen. Amen. Um and um number 12 they nor their fathers have known. Provoke not your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to go there, verse 13 and 14. Look at the contrast to what God says here. Look at what he brings up with the three, the three. We have the Trinity in John, the three in one, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But look at First John chapter two, verse thirteen and fourteen. It says, "I write unto you, little children, right, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one." I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I write unto you, fathers, because I have known you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We see that the Lord recognizes that the Father, the little children, and the young men need to abide in God, need to abide in the word of God recognize that and young men needs to honor the older men the older men needs to teach the younger men and the little children need to be taught and protected by both older and the young amen yeah and it, and it witnesses to the stages of our growth as a christian praise the lord and when he's saying i write unto you little children you know he could be talking to somebody that's been saved for 50 years and is 80 years old yeah, amen. But they're still on the milk. They're still a baby. Yes, amen. And so they fall under the little children, uh, you know, even though they're not uh, in our eyes, but they are in his because they haven't, they haven't grown. Yeah. 
and then you go from a child, you go to a young man, from a young man, you go to a father. So the different stages of our growth. Amen. Are brought into life there as well. Amen. And uh, they have not known me. Jesus Christ said that uh, two things. Um, I just thought of the one and I forgot it just now. <laughs> Jesus said unto Peter, who do they say that I am? And Peter said, who do you say that I am? Who do ye say that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Right? Yeah. And he didn't say that on his own. Amen. The father had revealed it unto him. Mm-hmm. Their fathers have not known. Jesus knew who he was. Peter knew it by the revelation of God to him, giving it to him. Amen. And the church is to know. We must know that he is. Amen. That's where. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's where faith comes in. Amen. And then the last one, number 13 and 14, they're two, but the same thing. They may come. They may come. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. And in Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. You don't have to go with they. You don't have to go that way anymore. You could come towards Jesus Christ. He says, come. He'll give you rest. He'll give you strength. He'll give you help. He'll give you life. Life. Amen. 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 So that's where I got. That's where I got my study. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And it's amazing where he can take us off of just something like that. Yeah. Well, I I just, it's just so interesting how that word, I know punctuation, you know, uh, yeah. I think they're all inspired. I do. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. You, yeah, and, and you know, it, there was a lot of what you would, uh, a lot of what you was looking at and declaring was uh, in the same vein of where he's taking me. It was completely different uh, woods that we was hunting in, but sanctification was still uh, prominent in what you have been saying and what I will bring out with what uh, he was showing me. Yeah. Sanctification is, is so very vital for us uh, so that we stand out, so that we are peculiar. So that if if people just see us as another uh, earth dweller, as another uh, inhabitant of the world, then we've lost our, our, our witness and our testimony or nothing. Yeah. Well, I think that like if we examine ourselves as well, you know, 
Have we committed adultery? May not be physical, but could it be spiritual? We need to be careful with that. Have we looked upon something in lust after? We got to be careful of that. So we examine ourselves, right? Certainly. And then that's where the sanctification is, where I think what you're talking about comes into play. If we're not, we need to repent and separate ourselves from that. We need to take heed. Yeah, take heed. You need to take so, heed. And it goes through all that. If our tongue, if, if it's prone to bend, which it does, we we prone to backbite, we prone to tail bear, we prone to do a lot of different things that the Lord warns the body of Christ not to do, you know, in Corinthians and other places that sure. we shouldn't be we're using our, 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 our tongue for evil, uh, but to edify one another. But um, but that's another thing. We need to sanctify ourselves and getting sanctified through the word, like what you're talking about. Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. You know? and, to just, and to just understand that he has already been made sanctification for us. Amen. Amen. We just have to, you know, allow him to be forefront in our lives instead of us you know, shoving him off in the back and being ourselves. We yes. Need, we need for him to be revealed in our lives and stuff. That's, he is our sanctification. Yes. Put him at the forefront Amen. and just go. You know, you yep. may get off here. You may get off there. Just go. Repent and go. Pick up. Don't stop. Just keep going. We're sinners. We're unjust. We're unholy. He's holy. He's just. But he's righteous. That's right. Not only was he made our sanctification, but he was made our righteousness as well. He was made our wisdom and he was made our redemption. Amen. All those things were out of our reach and were not possible for us to have, but he made he he was made unto us all those things. And yeah. we need to receive it and understand it. Well, yeah, yeah. That it, that, what I what I mean by that is we can't do it ourselves. It's got to be Him that does it in us. Yeah, Amen. We need to pray for one another. And you know, we hear so many people say, "Well, I gotta, I gotta sanctify him. I gotta get sanctified. I gotta." You are sanctified. Yeah. If you're one of His. Yeah. You already are sanctified. He was made that for you. They're saying that they want to be sanctified in the flesh. Yes. They think being sanctified in the flesh will bring glory to God, but nothing but in the I, flesh can bring glory to God. But I think that we have a duty to obey. <laughs> to obey. If we obey, we will be sanctified. Yeah. That's simple. It's, it really is. He made it so simple, but we make it so complex. Yeah. We get ourselves in the way of it all the time instead of allowing his work to just be done through us by him, by his spirit. Hmm. Hmm. So what else did you get? You, you said you worked on a word. Yeah, well, in the second part, after the colon there in verse 4. Okay. 
for every brother will utterly supplant and every neighbor will walk with slanders. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't help but go straight to Jacob. Okay. And what scripture tells us about him and his life and that, that from birth, he was, he was a supplanter. Mm. And Genesis twenty seven thirty six, that's what Esau said. That, is he is he not called that for a reason? And, but you know what? As for him being born a supplanter, so are we. We're we're no different than David who said that he was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That we're born that way too. Amen. And therefore we're born dead to the spiritual things of God. And our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what, that's what we inherit from our parents. A dead spirituality and a deceitful and a heart. Mm. And that's I'm not bad mouthing my parents. It's just we we don't have any choice in the matter. That's what we're born with. David was born with it. We're born with it. Jacob was born with it. But to to that point, uh Jacob was guilty of supplanting the birthright of Esau. But the deception was conceived by his mama. Mm -hmm. And it was all unnecessary because God had already foretold that the kids, while they were still in the womb, that the elder would serve the younger. So I don't agree with those that preach or or those that believe in the preaching that Jacob stole Esau's blessing and birthright. I believe Esau despised his birthright, even as the scripture says he did. I think that's I think that's the problem. Yeah, if you're willing to get rid of it, why are you willing to have it? For a bowl of for a bowl of beans, he was willing to. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Jacob didn't steal that from him. Esau gave it to him. Yeah. But to get a feel of what's meant by despised here in, in Genesis 25, 34, where it says that then Jacob despised his birthright, uh, Esau despised his birthright. Yeah. We can turn to scripture to define it for us through example. And, you know, there's a lot of words, Hebrew words that were translated as despised. It's, it's not just one Hebrew word. It's always uh, translated as despised. There's a bunch of them. But for the ones that was, for the Hebrew word that was used in Genesis 25, 34, I, I looked up a couple and I got to four and I, after four, I thought, okay, this is a, uh, this is all I need. And what it was, was the revelation from God. Of, it just made it stand out to me more clearly, the contrast between 
uh, how God worked in people in the Old Testament and how he works in people in the New Testament. And it starts off with Esau. Uh, and the what is brought out in all of these examples is that true repentance from the heart and turning about face back to God was the remedy that would defer his judgment on all such misguided actions and thoughts. And we know from scripture that Esau found no place for repentance. Hebrews 12, 17. Though we look for it, Though we look for it carefully, even with tears. And while true repentance, I don't believe, would have ever uh, would have recovered his birthright. Because that was something God had, that God's word stands, right? Well, so he did repent, but there's no room for it because you can't get it back. No, he found no place for repentance. Mm-hmm. Oh, he so, found no place. Yeah, no, he, he, do you know what, and how many times do we repent and go back and do the same thing? Did we really repent then? Mm, I see. That's why I say true repentance from the heart and the turning about faith back to God. That's the remedy that will defer his judgment. If you're just repenting like Pharaoh did or like Esau done, he's not going to lift that judgment off of you. But I don't think, my point in saying this with Esau, because God had already declared to Rebecca that the, the, the elder would serve the younger. It's a done deal. Mm-hmm. That's a done deal. God said it, it's going to be. But, so I don't believe true repentance from, from Esau, had he found a place for it, would have recovered his birthright and the blessings that come with it. But I do believe that it would have changed the course of the nation that he's the father of and God's testimony of that nation, which is in Malachi and Romans, where he says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I believe if Esau had truly repented back yonder, maybe that would not have panned out like it did because he never found repentance. God's judgment falls on that nation later on. That's what was birthed out of Esau, was the nation of Edom, and Edom was was an enemy of God throughout Scripture. But because we got this blessed, preserved Word of God right here for us, that we can come to at any time, 24-7, we can know. We can know that Esau never repented, and therefore his heart was never changed. And then we can also understand more fully and clearly what the Lord himself meant when he said that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. 
Think he is the word. He is the word from the first letter to the last letter, the alpha and omega in the Hebrew language. First letter and last letter. And he's every letter in between too. He is from, he is from Genesis one one to Revelation twenty two twenty one. And everything in between. And I'm saying that that he's the first and the last because, like I say, that promise was made while they were still in the womb. And yet history now and the scriptures prove out that what he said come to pass. And he, he said he was the first and the last. And there is no God beside me. Think about that. That, that could be. And there is no God other than me. Or there is no God beside me. Yeah. I, I don't need any help. I can get this all done on my own. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then in another place in Isaiah, you know, he says, declaring the end from the beginning. Who else can do that but God? And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. So even the things that have not yet come to pass that stayed to us in the Bible, there we know that they will. We know that they will come to pass. And so that this understanding that we can get from that that leads us back to the God's prophetic word given to Rebecca that he knew, God knew from in the womb and even before that that Esau would never exercise any measure of faith given him in regards to his inheritance and in regards of his birthright. But Jacob would. God knew that as well. Jacob had, he had the, enough faith to believe uh, that the birthright and the blessings was worth having. And so he traded them off with Esau for a bowl of beans. What a trade, huh? Yeah. But think of the, think of the trade we get when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Imputed righteousness. What, what kind of trade? You know, what kind of trade-off was that? I give up nothing but my filthiness and my wretchedness, and get his righteousness. Yeah. Woo. But God's omniscient plan from the beginning that through Abraham, through Isaac. And now through Jacob, not Esau, that his son would come through that lineage. And without faith, you can't please God, right? Amen. And Jacob, Esau had no, Esau didn't want, Esau didn't want or cared about any faith. He wasn't going to exercise it if he was given a measure of it. And God knew that. So how could he possibly have 
his son, who is faith. Faith is not something, it's a person. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So that was the lineage that his son was going to come from. The savior of the world would come from that lineage. And that through his finished work on Calvary, salvation then could be offered to all men and women. That by grace, through faith in him, all might be saved. Amen. So that's, you know, look for the despise. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about in them that does despite to the spirit, trample underfoot the work of the Son of God. Mm. Be careful. Now, in Numbers, so going with that same word that's used in, in Esau's narrative there, we can go to Numbers 15.31. And we find in Numbers 15.31, we find a person <clears throat> that is... Whether he's a Jew or a stranger, it makes no difference. If he sins ignorantly, there's a provision of God for that through the law. But if but if he sins presumptuously, if he sins knowingly, and there no repentance follows. He's despised God's word and judgment will follow. And what we ought to, knowing that, we ought to pray like David did in Psalms 19. Where he says in 1912, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. You know, we can we can pray for sins that we've committed that we don't know of. But we understand and we recognize that we're sinners. And that we that and that we have sinned unknowingly. It's a whole different ballgame now once it becomes known to you. But David's asking him, he says, who can understand the errors, his errors? Cleanse thou me from my secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous. Keep me away from those that I willingly do. And let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression." And that's not despising God's word. That's loving God's word and meditating on it. Yeah, amen. All right. In 1 Samuel 10. 1 Samuel 10. That's <clears throat> We find that Saul has just been anointed king. And uh, he's... Samuel's told, in, that's in verse 1, chapter 10. 
Then in verse 20 of chapter 10, Samuel tells all the people the manner of the kingdom that they've just asked for when they've mm -hmm. asked for a king. And then after he's told them the manner of the kingdom that they've just asked for, he sent them away to their house. And Saul, in verse 25, verse 26, Saul goes to his house and, he, and went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Praise the Lord. But verse 27, but God's word did not touch everyone's heart. And those men despised Saul, despised the king. But Saul had peace. Then verse 27, mm -hmm. but he held his peace. And he had that peace because in verse 9 of chapter 10, it says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. That's why Saul had peace, because God had changed his heart. And that change manifests itself in chapter 11, in 12 and 13. Look in 12 and 13, chapter 11. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. And that was things that happened in chapter 10, when those people spoke out like that. And the, so they said, bring them to us and put them. To, and Saul said, there shall not a man be put to death this day. For today the Lord hath brought salvation in Israel. So with that new heart that Saul has, he exhibits and he follows what you mentioned before in Leviticus 19, 18, it was in the law. They, they were commanded to love their neighbor as himself. That's what Saul is doing. The people want to put him to death. Saul says, no, 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 no. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he also had respect to Deuteronomy 32, 35. Where it says, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. He's leaving it to God to judge these people. And we find that strange in Saul. You know, and I know a lot of... There's arguments goes either way as to whether or not Saul was saved or not. Or if you'll be in heaven or whatever. But things like this point to the fact that yes, he will be. To me. Hmm. 
but people could lose their salvation in the Old Testament as well. So there's things that Saul did that absolutely were uh, were not were ungodly. But he had respect to those folks as far as to love them as their uh, as their na- neighbor as himself and to give God his room for vengeance and recompense because God says that their foot shall slide in due time. Now it's not the time to let God take care of them in his own time for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things that shall come upon them make haste. So we don't have to worry about and they didn't have to worry about back then either about recompensing somebody for that. God will take care of it. But again, my old view of this whole thing going this way was that God is just revealing to me the way that he worked in people in the Old Testament. Uh, it's very, very, you know, very, very similar to the way he works in us. Yeah. Yeah, it's not archaic. It's not old. It's no. not something we should ignore, something we should learn from. Amen. And that's what the scriptures is, is for our admonition. All these things were for our learning and and that we might get peace and comfort through the scriptures by that. Yeah. So then in Samuel 2, 6, 16, this was the last one. Because you, you see, and, and my point again with Esau, because there was no repentance, the judgment hung over him until it was until it was exercised. And then the in numbers, there was a there was a way of yeah you're going to sin, but there's a way of taking care of it so that you're in good standing with God. Then in Saul, in in that narrative, that's the way to deal with. Uh, people that are going up against you and despitefully use you and speak against you. Now in 2 Samuel 6.16, we find Michael, Saul's daughter. She despises David in her heart. And why did she despise him? That's in verse 16, where it says, and she despised him in heart. Leaping and dancing. Yeah, because David was unabashedly and unrestrained, joyful and jubilant in the Lord. He explains to Michael in verse 21, he says, after she says, all those things that you've done, you ought to be real proud of yourself. And he says, it was before the Lord. It was unto the Lord that I'd done those things. And I'll do yeah. more, and I'll do more things like that. Yeah. And so he was un, you know, it was unrestrained. He was unashamed, and he was unabashed <laughs> about his joy, and and also about bringing the ark of God to Zion. Mm-hmm. Because remember, his first attempt at doing that was a failure, and someone even died. Because of his failure to do it right. 
And if you'll notice, if you, if you just go back a little bit into verse 5, 2 Samuel, you'll see in verse 19 and in verse 23, David inquired of the Lord about going up against the Philistines. He, he called upon God to guide him, to lead him. And God told him what, he, you know, what to do. And he had victory over the Philistines. Then we get to six, and his attempt to bring the ark back to Zion, and he doesn't inquire of the Lord. And you can find that in First Chronicles. It's another uh, uh, exposure to the same event in First Chronicles thirteen one through fourteen, but in that narrative. David explains, he, he proclaims that uh, they didn't inquire of the Lord. I thought I had that marked down, but uh, in First Chronicles 13, uh, no, it's actually in First Chronicles 15, 13. That he says uh, to the to the leaders and stuff after he's making the second attempt to bring the ark back, he says, "For because you did it not at the first, uh, at our first attempt, the Lord our God made it <coughs> for that we sought Him not after the due order." And what they had done wrong in the first attempt was that they had went. Uh, they, it, he had, David had resorted to the ways of the world to accomplish his desire of bringing the ark back. The way he was bringing the ark back to Zion the first time was the same way that the Philistines sent it back to him when it gave them all them troubles, you know, with the emeralds and the mice and all that stuff. Mm, yeah. And he packed that ark back up with a, with a gift from them in a, in a cart and sent it back to Israel. Well, that's that's the way David, in his first attempt, he went the ways of the world to bring the ark back to Zion, which was against the way God had told them the way <laughs> that thing should be transported. So when he finally does get it right, he's he's excited, he's jubilant, he's you know he. He's beside himself. Like that song says, I'm going to get carried away, right? <laughs> get beside myself. And what I wanted to point out uh, was in... <coughs> so then at the end of <coughs> Second Samuel chapter 6, it makes, it makes the statement in verse 23... Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Because she never got over her despising David and what he did. She never could cut loose with that and just give it to God. She became barren. Never had a child. That judgment was never lifted off of her. 
because she never done what was necessary to have that judgment lifted or deferred. So that's, that's where I got to. That was, but when we, when we look at what Jeremiah verse four says, for every brother will utterly supplant, uh, you know, we got some examples in scripture that will show us that the, this subject of surplanting, taking something over, uh, is we have to we have to watch and take heed and be careful that we don't become that too, because we're born with that ability, we're born with that uh, deficiency to do those things. <coughs> And I hadn't got to it yet, but it, I thought about it where it says, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. Yeah. Well, I, I got to thinking, okay, so with in Jacob's life, when he ran from Esau and went up to Haran, to Laban and uh, Rachel and, and all that mess up there, well, you know, he, those were his brothers and his neighbors. And they certainly had slanders talk about him. And deceit. Now, all the things it says there, beware of all, of all those things because they will deceive you and uh, they'll not speak the truth. All those things. So that's, that's as far as I got. Amen. But it was very encouraging and exciting to go there. Yeah, you know. You know.